And I'm Audrey. And today is our Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, Part 2. Camping edition. Camping edition. <laughs> um, so this is, we left off right before the trio breaks into the ministry. So we'll be starting talking about that. So it's like the ministry, camping, Malfoy Manor is what you have in store for you in this episode. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, today's patron of the episode is Salvador. Uh, thank you so much for all your support. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and for joining us for the uh, Discord watch. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it's our first episode in July, so... Happy, Happy birthday, July. Harry and Neville. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mom, to Harry and Neville, I guess. Um, yeah, wait, what day does this come out? The 6th. I hope you had a happy 4th of July weekend. Look at that, for America. Our, uh, Americans. And I hope you save all of your patriotic fervor for the olympics because the fourth of july is kind of a stupid holiday anyways um <laughs> so just shift that to august and all is well yeah sports so we are picking up with like the start of the i don't know ministry break-in i guess yeah <laughs> infiltration of the ministry by the trio um so I my like first comment is I always thought it was so weird how like in the movie they chose people that like fit kind of like the physical descriptions of Harry, Ron, and Hermione for them to like polyjuice into because yeah. like it's polyjuice potion we know how that works like you didn't need to just choose like a white guy with black hair a white guy with red hair and a white woman with brown hair like they have the right voices like I feel like we would have been able like you kept you keep the voices for a reason yeah. i feel like we would have been able to figure this out it just like it seems odd to me because i feel like it just kind of like ignores the fact that they used polyjuice potion yeah um and but i guess it's like easier for the viewer to keep track i don't know yeah i i guess like i've never really thought about it until this last watch i'm like dang these people look exactly like the trio like that woman who plays Mathilda Hopkirk like I would not be surprised if that's what Emma Watson looks like when she's like in her 50s or 60s like oh my gosh that they should have just used these actors in the 19 years (laughs) later they should have oh my god and then like um oh my god for the the for Ginny they could have used like I guess that the guy that Ron's wife doesn't I don't think she has red hair that woman is in the like BBC version of Macbeth and she plays Lady Macbeth Uh, we watched that like in school I was like I recognize that woman from somewhere (laughs) it's like Mary Catamol yeah it is really weird it's also so weird 
to have their voices come out of these fa- these like faces. Yeah. It's so weird. I like I get why they do it, but but I feel like they should have just done one or the other. Like have yeah. them look like the trio and not use their voices or like have them not look like the trio and use their voices. Like yeah. you don't need to do both. It's just like a recurring thing with Polly Potion. They always keep their voices in the movies and like yeah. that's not how it is in the books. Um they like yeah. have because I'm pretty sure this could just be, like, me talking literally out of my ass. But isn't, like, your voice kind of constructed of, like, what your, like, vocal cords? Your vocal like, it's cords, your anatomy yeah. that makes your voice yeah. sound the way it does. Um, so it makes sense that their voice would change. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's just so weird. I think this is definitely, like, the longest stretch of time we have with people polyjuice. Like, mm-hmm. and... In Chamber of Secrets, it's not for that long of screen time. This is for, like, an extended period of time, so I think it's why it throws me off so much. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's so weird. Also, consistently, why does Ron keep... Like, Polyjuice Potion keeps lasting on Ron the longest. Mm-hmm. Like, when they show up at the burrow, he's still hairy for a second. And then, like, when... Like, he's... It lasts on him, I think. I can't remember when Hermione starts to transform back, but, like, Harry's transforming back, like, while they're in the trial yeah. room. And then, like, Hermione, Ron doesn't transform until, like, he's, like, kissing Mary Catherine. Hermione transforms off-screen, I realize. So she gets into the elevator uh, as Mathalda, and she leaves the elevator as Hermione. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah, I don't know. That is really weird. Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, anyway, so we get into the ministry. Okay, wait. Toilets. Yeah, so when this happens, this has literally always bothered me. So, like, Ron stands, like, supposedly, like, on the toilet seat and is talking to Harry, like, over the stall. Yeah. But, like, people would see that. Yeah. Like, if they're open stalls, like, people would see that. It just is, you know. (laughs) Um, and then... Did we see that version of the fountain at Warner Brothers? Or did we see the, like... We definitely... I feel like we definitely saw the fountain of magical brethren. I don't know if the magic is oh, okay. was there. I think we only saw one of them. Oh, okay. I'm not sure, actually. I think we saw the fountain of magical brethren. I could be wrong. Okay. I really took I wasn't no sure. photos that trip, and I really regret that. <laughs> um... um. Okay, the next note I have is Mad-Eye's eye, sad face. The next note I have is, where are all these people coming from? The ministry is so crowded. Like, there are so many people in the ministry. There, I feel like the wizarding community is not that big. Like, I understand that, like, a good portion yeah. of the wizarding community works for the Ministry of Magic. There are, like, kind of few jobs in the wizarding yeah. world. But still... That is so... It's, like, crowds of people. Yeah. And it's implied yeah. that, like... I feel like it's implied that they're, it's, like, always this busy, you know? Like, there are just always so many people. Right, because it's like that in Five when they go. Yeah, I don't know, like... Like, um, at the beginning of Five. Yeah. I just feel like there's way too many people. Like, they did... And then, it was unnecessary for them to have that many extras. Like, they could have just not yeah. had people, like, pressed up against each other walking around, you know? And then it's, like... It makes it, like, even... 
even less believable um, that they just like happen to pick three people who like ha- no umbrage something you know they happen to like pick the guy whose woman his whose wife is gonna be in on trial and they happen mm-hmm. to pick the woman who like works right next to umbrage yeah. you know like it's just like okay that makes it seem so like this was just done as like a plot convenience yeah where it's like it, I would believe if somebody told me that there was, like, I don't know, like, between 200 and 400 people that work at the ministry, mm. like, I feel like I would buy that number. Mm. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm bad with numbers. Yeah, I guess I don't know, like, how many people generally work, like, at a company. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously depends on size. Anyways, I just feel like there's way too many people. Um, so then, like, Ron goes to, like, try and get the, it to stop raining in the office. And Hermione's like, just try Finite and Incantatum. And I'm like, you would have thought, you think that, like, they didn't try that in the two days? Like, that is, like, the simplest fix. Like, I'm sorry, Hermione, you are pretty bright, but, like, I feel like that would have, like, been the first thing you thought of. Yeah, I think in the book, she's like, try Finite and Katatum. If that doesn't work, try this or this or mm-hmm. this. And Ron is like, whoa. I'm not going to remember any yeah. of that. Um, but yeah, I also have like, I cannot believe Umbridge has Moody's eye on her office door. Like, that is wild. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Like, I feel like that alone is wild, but also what it implies is that, like, she is in with the Death Eaters, you know? Like, in Five, she was, like, kind of an evil person. Yeah. This time, it's like, no, no, no. She is, like, on the side Unless of the Death Eaters, Unless the Ministry basically. recovered his body. I guess. But, like, I guess it was... I guess it was still, like, a little bit off of, like, the Death Eaters completely taking over the Ministry, but, like... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, she's clearly, like, she. regardless of that fact, like, she's clearly in with them. Yeah. Which, okay, so then th- this, uh, this brings to my next note, which, like, it's not really a plot thing, but I don't understand the point of these trials. Mm-hmm. Like, Umbridge clearly has been given, like, any amount of power that she wants, and... I doubt, like, Voldemort or, like, the Death Eaters who are controlling things at the Ministry care that they have to, like, keep up appearances by, like, having, like, these fake trials. Like, I don't understand why she's doing this and why she's not just, like, taking their wands and sending them straight to Azkaban. Like, it seems like so much more work to be, like, where did you get this wand from? Like, you're a liar, you know? Instead of being, like, you, we know you got this wand from Ollivander, but it's illegal for you to have it or whatever, like. Yeah. It just, it doesn't, like, doesn't make sense to me, but I guess, like, I don't know, maybe she's, like, getting joy from it, which we know she kind of is because she can cast that Patronus yeah. while she's doing this, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, the two answers that I can think of off the top of my head is, like, she enjoys it, and, yeah. she, like, I do think that there is an aspect of kind of, like, keeping up appearances at this point yeah. still, because it is still kind of, like, early on. Mm. I mean, it. Like, if it's around September, right? Like, kids would have, like, just gone off to Hogwarts. And I feel like that's the indication where it's like, oh. Like, Voldemort has taken over. You know, like, there are Death Eaters at the school teaching. Like, I don't know. I could still buy that it's, like, a little bit keeping up with appearances. 
slash like the deaf eaters could just be like okay umbridge like do what you want and she's like okay i'll do trials because like that's how it's done you know I yeah know. yeah maybe um, um I do okay have to so say, harry oh, sorry before we move forward morgan posted in the facebook group asking how is umbridge able to like cast the patronus without like actively casting the Patronus. Mm. You know, like, her cat is just kind of, like, slinking around, and she's not actively, like, holding her wand and, like, directing it. And I thought that's kind of interesting because I feel like that's implied... That's, like, what it is in the book, too. Like, that's not just a movieism. Like, the cat yeah. is kind of autonomous. And the only thing I can come up with is that it's, like, a little bit different of a spell cast. Because, um, mm-hmm. like, we do know that Patronuses can send messages, so that is kind of, like, a little bit of autonomy, you know? So I wonder if it's, like, more... That Patronus is kind of, like, more similar to the message Patronus as opposed to the, like, active Patronus. But I'm not sure. I really don't know. I mean, so it is keeping the the dementors away yeah it is so like or, I, or something else is keeping the dementors away but i think that like it to me it's always just been like when harry learns the patronus and when he he um teaches how to cast one to the da remus talks to him about like staying focused on your memory and mm-hmm. stuff and i feel like it might just be like kind of the next step of like once you've like mastered that like if you can like if you can like stay in like a happy state mm-hmm. which like clearly umbridge is like you can keep your patronus around with you yeah um it's not like it's not like you have to stay focused and like holding your wand up it's kind of like i don't know like like it's akin to how like mrs weasley will like cast a spell to get like the dishes washing and like she doesn't have to stand there with her wand pointing it at the dishes washing you know like it becomes more of just like an easier spell the more you do it and so it's kind of like a like different parts of your brain can be like keeping that alive and then like having this conversation with the like conducting the trial yeah i also like i would buy that because this like patronus isn't like actively attacking any Dementors, you know, it's kind of just, like, keeping them at bay. Like, it's not, like, going after them to keep... I don't know. Like, I feel like it's a different function right now. It's, like, it's not as active. Mm-hmm. So I could also buy that it's, like, easier to just, like, keep in the back of your mind just, like, existing as opposed to, like, oh, we need you to attack this, you know? It's just kind mm-hmm. of, like, staying around. Yeah. So it's kind of, like, a different purpose as well. Um, um. But... So then they, like, escape, basically. Yeah, the, like, I must not tell lies line is, is good, I do have to say. I think that yeah. was what it was in the book, too, though. I don't think that was a movie line. Yeah. Um, and I just said, like, poor creature at home with the steak and kidney pie. Yeah. Waiting for them. Um, the Dementors, like, reaching through the elevator is, like, a really creepy image. Um, yeah. When they like rush towards the elevator, and then like we said, like Ron changes last and like is kissing Mary, and it's like, oh my god, Ugh, that scene just gross. like really gives me the heebie-jeebies. I feel yeah. like there's just like a lot of problematic things that come along with that. Like yeah. And then, and then like it's made even more awkward when like Red shows up at that moment too and he's like Mary because like when he shows up Ron is like Ron now it's 
like yeah <laughs> um and like ron even plays into the fact that like he's her husband he's like we have to get the kids you know yeah. he's not like dis I, it's like oh it's just a weird thing i really i really hate it um so they like went through the ministry and escape and this is when ron gets splinched splinched okay or like half splinched or whatever yeah like his arm um and then like for a while hermione's like he's not strong enough to travel and i don't know if this is what happens in the book but i'm like he's strong enough to walk like many miles a day but like not to just outside like i do feel like in the book they like stay for like a day or two you know, yeah, but, I, but it's it not seems like, like it's a while. Yeah, it's not like this walking thing that I think happens. I think they just stay yeah. until they can operate. I could be wrong because I didn't reread the book in preparation, but I feel like that's what it is. But I do have a note. So, like, Hermione's like helping him. Harry gets the Dittany. She gets up and starts to do like this Salvia Hexia Repello Muggle Tum stuff. And she, there's this mm-hmm. scene where like she has her hands up and she's doing mm-hmm. that. It's so, like her hands are all bloody in the trailers for this movie they had actually edited out the blood on her hands oh yeah and so like she you see her doing that but her hands don't have blood on them and then in the movie she has blood on them so i wonder if like in the background they edited anything about ron too to like hide mm-hmm. what was going on yeah. Like, I wonder if they edited Ron out, like, completely in the background or, like, the blood on his arm out or something like that. Mm. I also think an aspect of that was to, like, keep the trailer PG. PG-13. Yeah. yeah. So that it could be, like, shown at certain, like, before certain movies is yeah. why they cut the blood out, I'm pretty sure. So, fun fact. Yeah. I think that's what I had heard. Um... I said, let the camping begin. <laughs> and then also let the angst and moodiness oh my begin. God. This was almost insufferable <laughs> the first time I watched this. Yeah. Um, and then, so, why is it that the Snatchers show up the first time? Is that just, like, pure chance? Because, like, they already have the thing up and, like... And they are, they're carrying somebody else's body. Uh, yeah. So I guess it's just, like, I guess it's just to, like, tell you that this is a threat and like this is why they're doing the enchantments basically yeah and to like set up gabby or sorry like i could not think of his name for a second <laughs> gross yeah okay but we have the scene of them trying to get rid of the horcrux and hermione oh, yeah. is styling and profiling <laughs> i love this outfit so much i feel like i've talked about this before but it's like, I would wear this outfit to this day, and I feel like it might be the only outfit in all of Harry Potter, the movies, that I would wear now, still. I mean, her, like, her her Battle of Hogwarts outfit is fine. It's just, like, a sweatshirt under a... I don't think I'd wear a zip-up putty. Jean jacket. I don't think I'd wear a yeah, I, yeah. I guess she has... I guess it's under the jean jacket, so it's not, like, the first, like, the top layer, but yeah. I don't know. I guess, and like her red yeah. dress, I don't even think I'd wear. Like red isn't really a color I wear a lot of, unless I'm wearing hurricane stuff. Um, <laughs> I think her red dress, she looks good in. Yeah. I don't wear it. I guess maybe some like some just like sweaters with jeans. Yeah. I don't know. 
Um, so yeah. Okay, I still don't really understand why they have to wear the locket. Like, I really don't get it. And I don't think I ever I don't get will. it either. Yeah. Like, okay, I kind of buy that, like, oh, we want to keep it safe. But why not put it in Hermione's bag? They put so much other important stuff. But I guess, like, I was thinking this as I was watching, and I almost wrote a note on it, but then I was like, like, I feel like the answer is, like, Yes, they put a ton of other important stuff in the bag, but you think about, like, what are the most important things they own? It's, like, their wands and that locket. Like, so, like, if the bag gets lost, like, they can rebound if they have, like, a couple wands and the locket. I guess. I just, I don't know. I feel like my first thought would not be, like, oh, we have to wear it now. You know, like. Yeah. And then even after they find out it's having this like such negative effect on them, they still continue to wear it. I feel like after that, I'd be like, okay, let's just like, even just like putting it in your pocket. Like, do you think it would even have that like same effect if it was just like in somebody's pocket as opposed to like wearing it? Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's overly cautious, but I also get kind of where Harry's coming from. It's like Dumbledore died. For this locket like we yeah can't lose it but still i don't know okay so then we have like the haircut scene hermione's giving harry a haircut and then she's like oh my god and just like runs off and harry grabs at his hair okay so before we get there we see a flash of young grindelwald for the first for the first time oh yes because it's like um it's in harry Harry sees it through vault. Yeah. Um, of like, I think this is when he like jumps out the window, like of him mm-hmm. stealing the wand from Gregor. Gregorovich. Gregorovich. And Jamie Campbell Bower, I believe, is the actor who plays Young Grindelwald. He goes on to play like in the Immortal Instruments series, I think. Um, mm. And he was engaged to Bonnie Wright. Um, they broke off their engagement before they were married, but fun fact. Um, <laughs> yeah, the anxiousness is just, like, really out of control at this point. Um, so, this haircut scene is when Hermione yeah. figures out that the sword is able to kill horcruxes. Yeah. Um, and I just want to point out, like, this is, this is maybe one of my favorite, like, callbacks or, like, things throughout the series mm-hmm. where like the sword is able to kill horcruxes because harry used the sword to kill the basilisk in chamber of secrets five books ago and i just think like i don't know this is one of my favorite things because it's like it's it's sound mm-hmm. with with um logic you know like the logic makes total sense it's something that like dumbledore has figured out and you know the clues he's like given the trio for hermione to then figure it out and like I just think it's so, it's so, like, perfect. It's significant to the plot. And it's it's significant to the plot, but it's not, like, oh, it makes things too easy. Yeah. I just, like, I love this little tidbit. Um, yeah, like, every step along the way is, like, yeah, that makes sense. It's not, like, oh, that's yeah. a little bit of stretch. And I do that's think a stretch, that like, we as, like, 
super big Harry Potter fans, we do dwell a lot on kind of like the nitpicky stuff where it's like, mm-hmm. that probably wasn't planned from book one. Like that fits a little bit too easily. But I do think that there are like quite a few things that get wrapped up, especially in seven, where it's like all of that makes like perfect sense. I feel like a good, another good mm-hmm. example of that is kind of like Dumbledore's explanation of why he didn't tell Harry sooner. Like I feel like every piece of logic and like every thing he shared with Harry along the way makes sense for what he explained it mm. to be. You know, it's not like, oh, we just, like, you just didn't know what the answers were and for, mm. and that's why. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it makes sense that Dumbledore doesn't tell Harry then. You know, I yeah. do feel like there is... I think that's maybe a bit more debatable with other yeah, people. Yeah, them, but yeah. I know, I just feel like there is a, like quite a few of those things that do work out fairly well, but this is definitely one that is, like, probably the best. Because, like you said, like, literally every step along the way makes a logical sense. And even if it wasn't mm-hmm. planned from book two, like, it still works out perfectly just the same. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so I have a note here that I've never really thought of before. But so Harry and Ron have, like, super big tension. Like, Ron is kind of, like, bubbling under the surface, getting really jealous of, like, Hermione and Harry spending time together. He's getting really frustrated that, like, Harry doesn't know what he's doing. Harry's frustrated that he doesn't know what he's doing. And that, like, Ron is playing with the radio. Um, And to me, it seems, like, so forced in some ways just to get Ron to leave. Because Mm. if I think about it, like, these two boys have spent so much time together like it's not like this is the first time they've lived together it's not like this is the first Mm. time they've spent like sharing a tent together you know even that like Mm -hmm. kind of I guess like it's always been like they haven't been off on their own and it's not like they haven't had fights before but I and like I do get that they're wearing the horcrux but I feel like it escalates so quickly that it's like I don't know and I guess like the variable of the horcrux can kind of explain this away but it still is just kind Mm. of so I don't know. Like, I could almost see Hermione having more problems with the boys than they have with each other just because, like, Harry and Ron have spent so much time together, like, living with each other. Whereas, like, Hermione's always yeah. kind of, like, had a step removal. I could, heard, I could see her being like, you guys aren't washing your dishes. Like, you're leaving your dirty clothes on the floor. Like, that kind of thing. And getting frustrated with just, like, living with them. Yeah. I don't know. I think that, like, what it comes down to is the, like... It's the difference in where Harry and Ron, like, stand within this war. And, like, they're both obviously invested in it, but Ron sees Harry as... Even though, like, this is totally unfounded, because Harry does love the Weasleys Mm -hmm. and, like, has... Like, he's not just fighting for himself, but, like, I think Ron thinks... Like, is almost, like, at this point kind of jealous of the fact that, like, Harry has already lost his parents Mm -hmm. because, like, he doesn't... Half, he thinks that Harry's not living with this, like, fear. Even yeah. though, like, we know in the books, like, Harry's constantly, like, checking Ginny on the map in Hogwarts, which is, like, okay, that's got a little <laughs> creepy, but, like, we know that Harry's thinking about these yeah. things. And I think Ron, like, has so much, like, fear for his family. And, like, I think he's fighting the war. Like, he's fighting it for, like, the reason, you yeah. know, like, because his family is anti Voldemort and, like, they're like you know don't believe in like pure blood supremacy but i think he's 
like the the most immediate reason he's fighting the war is like because his family's fighting the war and like his family is not going to be safe until the war is over whereas like i think he views that harry is fighting the war for like the bigger reasons of like fate and like killing Voldemort and like this is what Harry was born to do and I think that that like that is like a disconnect between the two of them that like neither of them can fully see the other person's side even though like they are coming from more similar places than they think they are yeah I do agree with that I think it comes down to this note that I have that says like you'd think that they would be able like you'd think that they would know how to communicate with each other at this point and I think that's just a (laughs) false statement I don't think they know how to communicate with each other at this point um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely do see where that is coming from. Yeah. Uh, um, so then Ron leaves. He yeah. Up. So he, he, they're literally hair and like the, the way it's set up is so annoying. I can't remember if this is how it's like in the book, but like Harry and Hermione are just like getting excited because they figured out like the sword thing and Harry's like complimenting Hermione and she's like talking about how she's just like highly logical and, um, Ron's like, yeah. I'm still here. Like, <laughs> comes it's out so of <laughs> dumb. Like, oh. um, and then he asked Hermione to. He's like, "Are you staying or are you going?" And she's like, she doesn't really say anything because she's like, "Obviously, I'm fucking staying." Yeah, like, like, I can't. Not only do like we left, like I don't really have anything to go back to. It's like I'm not gonna leave Harry by yeah. himself. Like, what? Yeah, and she like can clearly see that he's in the wrong. Yeah. Um. But, like, alternate universe where Hermione goes with Ron. Does Harry just, like, die? Harry, I, I really think that Harry would just give up. You know, and, like, I do think that a lot of... Some people might disagree with me and, like, see Harry as this, like, no. He has, like, this glorious purpose that, like, he's driven to complete. Like, it's his life mission. Yeah. But I feel like he would just give up. Number one, I don't think he'd succeed. Yeah. And I think he'd give up, honestly. If they didn't come back, um, obviously, like, if they came back, that would be a different story. Um, yeah. But then, like, before they leave, Hermione, like, ties her scarf around a tree, which, like, is so stupid. That doesn't indicate where they're going next. Like, Ron already knew that you were there. Unless it's, like, an immemorium, like, R.I.P. to the trio. <laughs> um, um, one more thing about Ron leaving. I do think, like, we've we've talked about it, like, Seven does a lot of, like, callbacks to different points in the series. And, like, okay, my next note is about the dancing scene. And I think I wanted to say that, like, I talk about this a lot, but I think the scene of Harry and Hermione dancing and, like, that portrayal of their friendship and their, like, brother-sister-like bond, I think that one of the reasons, like... I, I love it so much and I love Harry and Hermione's friendship so much is like this section of seven where Hermione stays by Harry's side and they're like both struggling and missing Ron and like trying like frustrated and like still they have each other it like reflects so well in four when Mm -hmm. like Hermione stayed by Harry's side like when he thought he was facing certain death again ahead of the first task and I just like I think that like I don't know I just think that that friendship is so underrated and the fact that like Hermione is just like 
she's just always there for Harry. And even, you can obviously make the argument that, like, Harry, Ron is Harry's best friend, obviously. Harry likes spending time with Ron better. But, like, Hermione is just, like, Hermione's a really good friend. Yeah, I mean, I think that she's arguably, like, the better friend. Even if Ron yes. is, like, the best friend, she is the better friend. Like, and I just, like, I think that, I know that that dancing scene was, like, included partially because, like, David Gates, that's his name. Yeah, I think David Gates and, like, this, the yeah, writer, the screenwriter, screen yeah. um, were, like, kind of, like, Harry Hermione shippers, and I don't like that reason for it, but I just, like, I think that there's something so beautiful about that scene and, like, taking a moment in this movie to have, like, a sort of dedication to Harry and Hermione's friendship, like, on its own separate from the trio and I like I get so like emotional every time I see it (laughs) yeah I I really do like the dancing scene but I have to say I feel like whenever I think about the dancing scene I don't think about the first five seconds of Mm. it and the last seconds of it because those I feel like are the moments where it's like this is really awkward like when Harry kind of marches in like takes the necklace off of Hermione and kind of just like drags her onto the dance floor just like while staring into her eyes I feel like it could have been set up so much better if like Harry walks in and like kind of starts dancing and like grabs Hermione and then they dance together you know I feel like that'd be so much less awkward no I agree and then the ending just like abruptly stop and they just stare at each other and like back away like Mm -hmm. okay um but the actual dancing thing I think is really cute. Um, and I love that song, so. Yeah. Fun fact, Good that song. was one of my, like, oh, children. yeah. By, ooh, what is the name of the band? I gotta check my playlist. As you say, that, like, their, their music, and this song in particular, was my, was my study album when I was in Sweden. Yeah, which you, like, introduced me <laughs> to, like, that's what this song is, and now it's on a lot of my playlists, but. Katie's Trivia Corner, delivered by Audrey, <laughs> is um, this song that plays, it's actually like seven minutes long or something yeah. like that, but it is Oh Children by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Yeah. yeah. Very niche song. It's a bop. Um, but great one. <laughs> it's not really a bop, but it's, it's a good song. <laughs> um, okay. Um, so then the next major thing that happens is that they figure out the snitch. Yeah. Or, like, kind of figure it out. I think it's kind of funny, like, the snitch is, like, pretty insignificant. Yeah. Um, like, it, it gives Harry the resurrection stone at the end, but, like, Harry was gonna give himself, like, he was... Yeah. And, like, the reason that Harry survives is not because he was the master of death at the time. Like, it's not really that important, um, and there's, like, such a focus on it, but... They figure it out. Cool. Yeah, Harry's so awkward again. He's like presses it to his lips. Like I guess it I guess it would have been more awkward if he like puts it in his mouth. (laughs) Or like licks it. I feel like I guess maybe it was the best way, but no matter what it's awkward. It's also kind of weird that like there's no lead up to this. Like it's not like we see him with the snitch Mm -hmm. multiple times leading up to this kind of like pondering. He's just, like, sitting there and staring yeah, at it. It's like, we actually see it, like, later more. Like, yeah. it kind of, like, floats out of his pocket when they're at Malfoy, Malfoy Manor. Manor. Like, what the fuck was the point of that? <laughs> I have a note about that later. Um, yeah. And he's like, Hermione, Hermione, I figured something out. 
Um, but yeah, like you said. And then said, her mind is like, I figured out something too. And it's, it's like way, way more, more important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like you said, the whole like mystery of the like, I open up the clothes and the snitch thing. It doesn't really come to much. Especially in the sense of like the Horcrux hunt. Which I feel like mm-hmm. is the big like, quote unquote, mystery of this book. Where we're getting like yeah. puzzle pieces for... Like, this puzzle piece doesn't fit in the puzzle, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so then they decide to go to Godric's Hollow. Yeah. And I I also really like this scene when they first get there. Um, I think that, like, with the snow and, like, you hear, like, the kids, like, playing in the background. Like, I think it's, like, a really beautiful setting. Mm-hmm. And they, like, realize it's Christmas Eve. And that it's, like, it's this combination of, like, they've kind of, like, stumbled into this place where, like... Yes, the war is obviously still going on here, but it's, like, people that are removed from the war. And it's really beautiful, but it's also, like, this deeply, like, sad scene where, like, Harry is returning to, like, the one place that he lived with his parents. And he's, like, seeing their graves. And Hermione does makes the little wreath of flowers. Yeah. And it just, like, I think it's, like, a good, like, brief, like, kind of emotional pause before you get this, like, eventful yeah Bethilda Nagini scene yeah and then I have a note about this and I think Morgan also mentioned this I think it was Morgan in the live watch along that in the book they were wearing the invisibility cloak because I think Hermione like offers to either like change Harry's appearance or give him polyjuice potion and he's like no I want to return to Goddard's Hollow as Harry like I don't want to return as somebody else so they wear the invisibility cloak which I think it's, like, kind of funny because I think they're, like, a, a little bit too, like, big at this point to both be under the cloak. And their, like, like, footsteps are in the snow. Yeah, and, like, their feet are kind of showing sometimes. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bethilda Nagini. I honestly, I still don't fully understand, like, the Bethilda is Nagini thing and, like, how the fuck that magic is even supposed to work. Yeah. Um, because, like, Bathilda is dead at this point, but, like, Nagini is, like, inhabiting her body. And I guess that maybe if you, like, want to get into, like, the nitty-gritties of, like, what we know of Nagini's past. As far as being, uh, what is it? Maledictus. Maledictus. Like, I guess maybe that would, like, like, she's not an ordinary snake. Like, there's something, you know, like, so maybe she can, like, inhabit a human's body. Um... I don't really understand, but it's always been, like, pretty confusing <laughs> to me. Okay, something else that really confuses me about, like, the logistics of this is so, like, Bethilda shows up, like, she looks like a dead body. Like, Bethilda's not looking too hot, you know? <laughs> and the first time we see her, you can hear, like, a fly buzzing in the background. So it's like, oh, this is a dead corpse. Like, yeah. that Nagini yeah. just, like, wearing, kind of. But then there's a scene where Hermione opens a closet door and there's a bunch of flies that you can hear and there's mm. blood spatters on the wall. So like, and then when like the Giddy transforms into a snake, it's not like she leaves like a body behind. I think it's just like clothes. So mm-hmm. is she not inhabiting the body and she's just like fully like, there's just a dead body in the closet. And I have no idea gonna level with you i don't know how it works in the book like i don't know if hermione finds a dead body or there's evidence of a dead body but i'm just like i'm very confused as well yeah because i always pictured it as like nagini was like inside Bethilda's dead body 
Yeah. And was, like, animating her. So, like, why is there another body? Yeah. yeah. Or, like, maybe know. Hermione just finds, like, evidence of death. Like, a bunch of blood. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And then, how? like, in the book, as well as in the movie, like, Harry doesn't realize that Bethilda is, like, speaking parcel tongue. Which also mm-hmm. really confuses me. Because, like... I know when people speak a different language even if they're fluent in that language it's like they know that they're speaking a different language like they're not like mm-hmm. oh was that in Spanish or was that in English I feel like you know <laughs> yeah um, um, so then we have that whole like fight with Nagini basically and I think in the book it's like heavily implied that like Voldemort is almost there yeah. by the point they're like able to escape and I think you don't really get that in the movie like in the movie it just seems like oh they're in danger because like there's a big snake yeah. but like the the like crucial point of danger is that like Nagini was like alerting Voldemort to their whereabouts yeah I feel like Harry can feel him getting closer or something like that yeah um yeah and then we, t- we kind of talked about this in the live stream as well. Like, they blast into this, like, nursery. Um, yeah, that's, like, brightly lit and, like, clearly, like, an inhabited house as opposed to, like, Bethilda's, like, yeah. whatever it is. So, like, I don't know. I guess I never really thought about it, but I was thinking about it this time. And I was like, what is that? But, like, I guess it's just, like, an adjoining house. Yeah. I mean, that's I'm not my sure, guess. I don't know, though. Um, I think that's probably the most logical guess. Yeah, not that Bethilda... Because, like, Bethilda never had children. And, no. like, when Grindelwald was there, like, he And it's, a like, baby. different structurally from the rest of yeah, that. Like, life. you know, like, the rest of her house is, like, yeah, run down. Maybe it's, like, a muggle house next door. Because, like, you know how, like... Yeah, I think there's, like, electronic lights or something. So it would be a muggle. Yeah. It's, like, a muggle. Yeah. But, yeah. Um... And then my next note is about the Forest of Dean. Yeah, so then Harry, like, wakes up at the Forest of Dean after the fight with Nagini. And it's it's a really pretty location. Oh my gosh, yeah. I guess I haven't talked about this yet, but the locations in this movie are beautiful. Yeah. Um, even that kind of, like, decrepit trailer park that they walk through, I feel like is beautiful, like, in its own way, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and Harry goes to see Hermione, and she, like has this monologue that I actually really like. Um, She's talking about, like, you know, I came here with my parents. Like, nothing has changed. But, like, I've changed so much. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, Harry, what if we just, you know, give up? Like, what if we just stay here and, like, grow old together? And Mm -hmm. then she's like, I found out who Grindelwald was. (laughs) And your wand's broken. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's kind. Of, I think it's delivered pretty well. Like it doesn't come off as like very cheesy. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's. I really like it. Yeah, I like it too. Um, and then Harry like t- takes watch, and um, we see like the doe. The doe leads Harry to the. Well, we see oh, do something before the mirror first. I don't know if this is the first time we see Sirius's mirror. You see it. You see it in the the very beginning when okay. he's at Four Perfect Drive. We don't know what that is. If you're a not viewer, within the movie you have first, no, no idea what this thing is. Yeah. Which to me is so weird. Like I guess that you yeah. kind of have to include it, or else you'd have to you do have to like it. a lot of like mental gymnastics, basically, to figure yeah. out how to get them out it's of Malfoy Manor. But it's like. 
what? Yeah. That's a good uh, point. But yeah. So then, yeah, then we see the dough. Yeah, so the doe leads Harry to the pond. We were talking a little bit about the, the sword in the pond. Um, so Morgan asked in the Discord um, why the sword has to be in the pond. Katie gave probably the correct answer, where she said, like, I think Snape knew that Harry had to, like, complete an act of bravery in order to, like, get the sword. Yeah. Um, or at least Snape assumed that was the case. Oh, and also... This is a plot hole in the movie that we don't know that they're traveling with um, Phineas Nigel's Black's yes. portrait. And so, like, this is how Snape knows. Because this is the first time they really say, like, what location they're in. And Hermione says, Forest of Dean. Yeah. Phineas Nigel's Black hears it, tells Snape. I think he's been, like, listening for a while mm-hmm. to, like, know where they well, are. Well, they kept him um, in the bag. And I think, like, one time when the bag was open, he hears, like, Forest of Dean. Yeah. So, yeah, so Katie's point was, like, Harry has to complete an, an act of bravery, or someone has to complete an act of bravery to get the sword. Um, my point was, one, Snape does this because he's a dick, <laughs> and two, um, there's that, like, literary allusion to, like, King Arthur. We talk a lot about King Arthur in relation to like the sword of Gryffindor, like the sword of Gryffindor parallels Excalibur yeah. pretty well, and like Excalibur came from the, the Lady, Lady of the Lake. Lake. Yeah. It's this is King Arthur's sword came from the Lady of Lake, and when King Arthur dies, is returned to the Lady of the Lake. So it's like this nice little liter- literary illusion that um, Harry and I guess Ron are like retrieving the sword that's basically supposed to be Excalibur like from MacGuffin a pond. Sword. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm not saying that, like, Snape didn't enjoy watching what went down. <laughs> like, he probably did, if I'm being honest. He was probably like, I kind of hope he doesn't come back up. Um, but yeah, honestly, this is like a freaking nightmare. Like, this is the stuff of nightmares. This, like, him being trapped yes. under. Yeah. Like, I have, to be fair, I've never, like, been on a frozen lake and, like, been in danger of being trapped under, but, like, that is some scary stuff. Like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and then when they get out and Ron's there, Harry's like, oh, so that was you with the dough. And Ron's like, no. It's like they don't know each other's Patronuses. And like, then, what? yeah, and, like, we know, like, Harry knows Ron's Patronus. And then Ron's like, oh, I thought that was you. And Harry's like, no, mine's a stag. And Ron's like, oh, yeah, right, antlers. Yeah. And, like, why isn't Ron's response to Harry being that was you with the doe? Like, no, my Patronus is a dog. Like, <laughs> You know that. And then they, like, don't even question it further. Whereas, like, in the book, I feel like Harry keeps, like, thinking, like, who the fuck is the doe? Yeah, I think he taught, like, he, I don't know if he thinks it's Lily, but, like, I feel like he knows that Lily's Patronus was a doe at this point, or at least, like, assumes that what it is what it is, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe not. I don't know. I think you might learn that in the Snape's, like, Memories. um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, so, like, Ron like pulls Harry out of the water and we get this like weird POV shot of like Harry like when he's dragging out like we see his legs scraping against the ice Mm. and like I get that I guess that's supposed to be like oh we're like delay the reveal that it's Ron for like a little bit longer you know 
But it's so stupid yeah. because it literally lasts for like two seconds and we never do a POV yeah. shot again. I know. It yeah. just really threw me off. <sighs> um, and then the Horcrux. And like, was it really necessary for Harry and Hermione to be naked in a kiss? <laughs> like, no, it wasn't. Like, was that necessary? It, um, it was not. <laughs> and was it necessary for them to look like vampires? I know, but Harry's eyebrows be looking wild in that scene. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think Morgan also asked, like, why does Ron have to kill the Horcrux? And to me, that was all. That was like never really anything that I questioned. It was just like it makes sense. Like Harry's kind yeah. of giving Ron the chance to like face his demons, like, like face prove his himself, demons. feel like he's important. Yeah, and I also think like I really do think it's like Harry. I've like. If I were here, it's like, I've killed a Horcrux. Like, we need this to be, like, a team thing. Like, you kill the mm-hmm. next one. You know, like, I I know. That was just, like, never and I also, that I questioned. They kind of, like, use the excuse that, like, Harry needs to speak to it to open yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like it, and I, I really like kind of what it does for Ron. Because I think he was, like, at, like, such a low point when he left. Mm-hmm. It proves that, like, he's back and, like, ready, you know, like, for business. Yeah. Um, and then Hermione tries to attack Ron. And I know you don't like this scene. I think it's kind of funny. And I like how she's like, Harry, you give me my wand. No, no, no. She goes, Harry Potter, you give me that wand. It's like, what? I just feel like the dialogue is so weird. Like, I think it's the funny. The is so awkward in this. Like, I, I it really... Okay, also, I don't know if this is, like, a made-up memory that I have, but, like, for the Oscars, the year that this came out, I feel like they did, like, this video, like, music video type thing, montage of a bunch of different movies, and they, like, referenced this one. They were, like, a little ball of light, that, like, line from Ron, and they, like, mixed it, so it was, like, part of the song. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, or you can like find out online and just validate that I'm not crazy, that'd be really nice. Um, but yeah, I have that this tantrum is kind of hilarious. Um, and then I have, do we buy that Dumbledore gave Ron the Deluminator because he knew he might leave? Or was that just like a big coincidence? I feel like I have to buy that that's why Dumbledore did it because yeah. there's absolutely no other reason to do it. But it's yeah. also kind of, like, sad. Like, oh, Dumbledore knew I'd leave because he knew I'm a weak-ass bitch. Like, yeah, I think I, I buy it. Because um, I think it's, like, not hard to predict. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Sorry. Well, okay, do we think Ron would have left without the influence of the Horcrux? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they kind of blame the Horcrux. To, like, redeem To Ron. be, like, yeah. But I think he would have. Because I think that, like, that... The whole thing I talked about um, with, like, the family and stuff. Like, I think that was building up regardless. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I buy it. That's maybe a bitter, bigger conversation yeah. we could have. Um, Hermione has these little flames and they're supposed to be blue. Oh my God, yeah. But... I love how it runs like uh, I love those little flames that Hermione does and it's literally just like a fire in a jar it's like yeah. okay <laughs> and Harry and Ron have this like bro chat yeah um so yeah we go to the love goods um after Ron is like 
Oh. It's so annoying. He's like, let's vote. Yeah. Well, okay, my favorite part is Hermione walks in and is like, we need to talk. And Ron's like, all right. Yeah. And she's just looking at Harry. Yeah, and Ron's like, yeah, let's talk. It's like, what? <laughs> oh, man. I, okay, I do. I don't know if this is a controversial opinion, but I think that Rupert Grant might be the best actor out of the three of them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But yeah. I don't think it's staying alone. <laughs> okay, I don't... I think Rupert Grant might be the best actor in Harry Potter movies. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, But overall, overall maybe is the best. I mean, I don't know if I'd say that. I think she gets a lot of criticism for acting in general. I mean, to be fair, her American accent is, like, really pretty bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Anyway, so we go to the Love Goods because Hermione convinces wrong to agree with her and Harry's like alright bye because she wants to find out about the Deathly Hallows mark which has been kind of like recurring yeah. like she mentions that to Harry when Harry comes with a snitch like look at this and then they see it on the gravestone yeah. in Godric's Hollow and Harry mentions that love Xenophilius was wearing that symbol around his neck at the wedding and Hermione is kind of on the like hallows trajectory right now where Harry's mm-hmm. on the horcruxes and then that will flip post the love good visit. Because mm-hmm. Hermione's like, all right, this has nothing to do with Horcruxes. Mm-hmm. So there are some differences with the love good visit. Um, one thing that I really, really wish we had seen was Luna's bedroom. Because um, that is like a really beautiful scene in the book where Harry sees this like thing that Luna has painted on her walls with the golden and silver trio. And he like has this moment of like appreciation for Luna and then um kind of like guilt that like he doesn't feel like their friendship as strongly as she does and then I think it is like really nice that like it kind of sets up like this connection and then they like the trio like gets a chance to like save her yeah from Malfoy Manor. I mean I have a note here that says I will never forgive David Yates for cutting that scene out yeah it just would have been so beautiful and like imagine Amina Lima like designing that like I also think it could have been so fast like yeah they didn't have to like linger on it you know they could have they could have even like shown them like walking down a hallway and like passing her Mm -hmm. room with the door open and just kind of like looking in really quickly Mm -hmm. you know yeah um I am I'm really bummed about that but there are some redeeming qualities to this scene in general I freaking love the three brothers it scene is, I I feel like I've, the animation is beautiful yeah um the cloak specifically within the like animation is really pretty the way it like kind of sparkles and like all of the hallows do it in a way and like you know like the wand glows and then like the stone or at least the when the the widow or the the dead fiance comes back in the stone like her dress kind of does something similar to the cloak but the cloak is just like the way it like shimmers um and I just like I love the way they did this I love how they have Hermione narrating it like it just like is like a brief escape from the movie yeah I have like a vivid memory of watching this for the first time and just like loving it like I feel like I left the movie theater and saying that was my favorite scene of the movie um yeah. I do think that this is an abridged version of the three brothers. I don't think this is word for word from what it is in no, this, yes, the yeah, actual book, um, yeah. Tales of Beetle the Bard. 
Um, I love that they kept in the like, mom always said midnight. I think that's really cute. Mm. I'm glad that they didn't get rid of that. Um, yeah, and then like Xenophilius just like explains what the hallows are. Mm-hmm. And then we get the like reveal, I guess, that the Death Eaters have taken Luna. And one, another big change is that Harry stays and makes sure that a Death Eater sees them mm-hmm. before they leave so that like Xenophilius isn't punished for kind of like lying or bringing them out on false mm-hmm. pretenses. Um, which I think is really nice and I think ties into the like him seeing Luna's room and kind mm-hmm. of like having empathy for Xenophilius in this moment. Like I think he would have had empathy anyways, but I think it like drives home. Yeah. Um, and so they operate out of there and then pretty much immediately, um, I think I don't know in if in the movie they actually have Harry say Voldemort's name. Um, but pretty much immediately the snatchers show up and in the book it's supposed to be because like I think in like kind of the like heat of the moment and everything they they say Voldemort's name yeah this scene oh my god so like Scabbier is there and they like stop and he's like what what are you doing snatch him and I'm like oh my god (laughs) that line I can't handle (laughs) I really can't (sighs) um yeah, and they, like, write out, like, the Snafters are supposed to have Dean and Griphook mm-hmm. with them. And I can't remember if... I think at this point, Ted Tonks and Dirk Cresswell and the other goblin, Gornuck, maybe, are already dead. I think so, yeah. So, it's just... I think we might have heard that on Potter Watch, maybe? Mm. Yeah. I don't know, though. Or maybe um, we learned that from Dean. I'm not sure. Yeah. But yeah, so they like so, run through the forest. It's a like super epic chase scene, and then Hermione does like the stinging things on Harry, and when she does that, he like goes into a mm-hmm. memory of Voldemort confronting Gregorovich, asking who the boy was that he saw in the window leave with the wand. Um, mm-hmm. Oh no, we're with Grindelwald at this point. Sorry, he go- this is when he goes to see Grindelwald. We have already seen the Gregorovich scene. Um, because yeah. I've been note here saying, how does Grindelwald know his name is Tom? Because he, Grindelwald refers to Voldemort as Tom. He's like, oh Tom, you should mm. know, or something like, or like I knew you would come eventually, Tom, or something like that. Um, Dumbledore and Grindelwald stayed in touch. They were better. <laughs> they they were pen pals. Pen pals. Um, another thing I also have here is like I. I guess I talked about this in the live stream. Uh, Dumbledore, Voldemort should know that Dumbledore has the wand at this point because if he paid attention to like anything about Dumbledore, like Dumbledore is most known for his defeat of Grindelwald. Let's say that like Voldemort knows that Grindelwald had the wand. Like then he should know that Dumbledore has the wand now or at least had the wand, I don't know. Like he shouldn't have to figure that out. And so in the in the book, Voldemort kills Grindelwald, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I don't think he does in the movie. I think he also killed Gregorovich. I think you're right, yeah. I think he was just like, I'm not going to take any chances. Yeah. Like, if me killing them means I get ownership, yeah. I'm going to do it. 
They're bus pests. They're both old men. Like, eh. <laughs> so then we get to Malfoy Manor. Yes. I just wrote, like, HBC Helena Bottom Carter is so good in this scene. Yeah. Like, I feel like I always, like, forget how little she's in these movies because yeah. she just dominates any scene that she's actually in. Yeah. And I do, I think she does a really good job in this one, like, um, freaking out about the sword and, like, as terrible as it is to watch, like, her, like, taking Hermione and torturing Hermione and, like, she just, like, seems so deranged. Yeah. I love the, like, girl to girl. I love that line. Yeah. Um, her, like, turning her wand into a rope is so badass. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the... She... So they were brought there because Scabior was like, oh, I think this is Harry Potter. So they bring mm-hmm. him to Malfoy Manor to, like... And then Belich was like, let's have Draco look at him because it was winter break, so Draco's at Malfoy Manor. Um, and then she sees one of them with the sword of Gryffindor, which she... It's not winter break, it's Easter break. Easter break, sorry. Yeah. Um, so she thinks that they broke into her ball at Gringotts because she thinks yeah. that the sword is there. Um, and she's like, this is what clues them into, like, there's something else in Bellatrix's Yeah, well. yeah. Harry later is like, why did she freak out so much? You know, like, what else is there? Mm-hmm. Um... And then the boys get taken down to the dungeon where Ollivander and Luna are. Griphook gets taken up with Hermione to be interrogated about the sword and, like, Gringotts' security system. Because, and Hermione's kept, at least in the movie, because the Snatcher is like, we found it in her bag. Mm -hmm. I don't know why she was the one singled out in the book oh she's the one singled out in the book because the reason that they Mm. take them to Malfoy Manor in the book is because they recognize Hermione's photo like from the Daily Prophet where she has been identified as like a muggle born traveling with Harry Potter so like they don't know who Harry and Ron are in the book but they they like see through that Penel- that Hermione's not Penelope Clearwater. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's why they, like, interrogate her. Or that's why um, Bellatrix really, like, goes on her. And also, like, she's the quote-unquote mudblood. Yeah. And, like, I think I think Bellatrix knows that, like, she's kind of the mastermind. Yeah. Um, and she's, like, allowed to do whatever she wants with her. Like, mm. she... Voldemort probably wouldn't, like respond well if like she was like doing shit to harry mm, yeah and i guess like ron's a pureblood so like maybe he's got yeah. that going for him um but yeah so then harry gets dobby to come yes and P- we like we see peter as being there like Pettigrew is on site mm-hmm. at this point um Harriet's kind of like a last ditch effort because he's been seeing somebody who like in the book we know he thinks is dumbledore but in the movie, it's, like, kind of clearly not Dumbledore. Like, you can definitely tell that he's seen the actor who plays Al before. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, help us, help us. Like, we're in the basement at Malfoy Manor. And I love this because yeah. he pulls the mirror out of his sock. And Luna's like, that's an odd thing to keep in your sock. I just, like, really love that line. It's very Luna. Um, yeah, Dobby comes and takes Luna and Ollivander to Shell Cottage. 
Mm-hmm. And then he kills Peter. But. Yeah. Which, like, I hate that death of Peter yeah. or Wormtail. Um, and, like, I wish it was, like, how it was in the book. But I also understand that, like, it could be confusing. Yeah. In the book. Uh, uh, to do the book one. To portray that in the movie. Because, like, there is that, like, the, like, um he owes Harry and like the hesitation and like it might have been hard to show that hesitation and then like have the hand kill him so yeah I also think it just would have taken so much more time because I feel like they would have really had to yeah. played up like Harry would have to vocalize a lot of things like yeah guilt him guilt trip him basically and so that would have just taken time and dialogue um but yeah and then like Dobbs like who gets his wand yeah that's funny. um so then, like, they go up, and this is the scene where, like, the snitch is flying. Like, what? <laughs> I'm so confused. Why? I don't understand the point of that at all. Yeah. And there's this big encounter. And, um, Bellatrix takes Hermione and, like, holds her knife to her. Or her wand, I can't remember. No, I, I think it might be the knife. Yeah, because I think they have her um, wand at this point. No, they don't. Oh, they have. They don't. Well, they they have they have Narcissa's wand. Mm-hmm. Well, and then Harry, Narcissa and Harry, Robert and then Wormtail's wand. And then they yeah. Well, then and Dobby takes Narcissa's yeah, wand. Yeah, but that's, off I guess her. that's later. Yeah. Oh, that's later. Because but so then Harry and Ron drop their wands mm-hmm. because like they have Beltric. So then Draco has all the wands, and then um, Dobby's on top of the chandelier, unscrewing it. And there's just, everyone's just looking at him. Also, <laughs> Lucius takes so much time to, like, roll down his, or roll up his sleeves. Yeah. He, like, he, he pulls up one, and then there's, like, a thing under it. He pulls it up again, and then he's, like, being super dramatic. And, like, before he even does that, like, everybody kind of looks at Draco, like, yeah. are you going to do it? And I think that's yeah. supposed to be, like, we're scared to do it, and, like... So then they're, like, trying to get their son to do it so they don't get blamed. Like, yeah. Or I guess Lucius is the only other one because, like, Bellatrix is preoccupied. Narcissa doesn't have it. So it's either Lucius or Draco. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the chandelier falls. And they're all, like, grouped together. And then how does Bellatrix Harry. know that Dobby was the Malfoy's house elf? Do you think we ha- they had him for that long? Like, pre-first yeah. battle? Yeah. I guess maybe he does mention something about, like, the first time. Yeah. Um, um, and then that was it. That was the transfer of the Elder Wand right there. Did you miss it? Did you see it? That was pretty so important. Bad. You saw it, right? <laughs> Can you imagine if they, like, accidentally cut that from <laughs> I, the first time I watched it, I didn't see it. And I was like, is that not in the movie? And then we watch it for the live stream. And I was like, okay, it is there. <laughs> Bellatrix freaks out at Dobby. Dobby says the like, Dobby only intended to maim or seriously injure. Yeah. Um, and then Bellatrix freaking throws the knife and it goes through the like portal. the apparition, the portal, whatever. It looks so dumb. Yeah. Um, and then you're in this like beautiful beach with Shell Cottage. I do have to say the only thing I can think about is how terrible wet sandy jeans have to be. Like, bleh. yeah. Um, But yeah, I do have to, I teared up when I watched this, when I was taking notes. And I feel like I don't tear up every time I see this. Yeah. Um, It depends on my mental state. Yeah. 
But I don't know, just like Dobby saying those words, like, are just like a gut punch, you know? Mm-hmm. Dobby's happy to be with his yeah. friend, Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, so sad. Um, I, I am afraid to say this because I don't know if it's any factual, like if it's factual, but sitting here right now, I feel like it's more emotional in the movie than it is in the book. Like Dobby's death. Mm. And I don't know why that is. Maybe, like, I mean, obviously, like, seeing something can sometimes be more of, like, a visceral experience than, like, reading it. Um, mm. I do think, like, the aftermath of Dobby's death is definitely sadder in the book because we see Harry, like, really agonizing digging about it and, like, digging yeah. brave and saying, like, no, he wants to, like, do it manually. But, yeah. And, like... I think maybe, like, seeing the look on, like, Hermione and Ron's faces, too, when they know, like, they can't save him yeah i think maybe that like like harry's looking so like desperate desperate and they're just like i think that maybe it contributes to like how emotional it is yeah and i think some of the times it doesn't hit me emotionally is because it really frustrates me that like nobody jumps into action and like even if it was a lost case like harry doesn't even like put pressure on the wound and like i feel like we talked about this before like in the book hermione's like not in a good state like yeah not that she's like in a great state in the movie but i feel like she's way worse in the book and like that's the reason why like she can't help dobby and they don't have the bag anymore yeah so like they don't have the the dignity but in the movie it's just kind of like nobody does anything like yeah. I don't know. Like Harry pulls the knife out and then doesn't put pressure on the moon. Like, like I said, even if it's hopeless, I feel like you'd still like try something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then we see. Oh my gosh. Voldemort go to Dumbledore's. Wait, grave. Luna's fingernails when she closes Dobby's eyes. Like, bleh. I hate it so much. Um, well, she's been in a I dungeon know, for but months. But it's so gross. <laughs> I really can't stand dirty fingernails. Um. But yeah, so we don't even see Dumbledore. Bill and Fleur at Chill Cottage this time, no, not which yet. is kind of weird. Yeah. And then I, when Harry's singing the grave, Hermione is the one to carry Dobby up the hill, which I feel like was kind of an odd choice. I don't know. I saw it was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, then we cut to Baltimore. Yeah. I hate when he like gets really close to Dumbledore's face. Is he going to kiss him? Um, yeah. I feel like the emotional hit of, like, Voldemort, like, desecrating Dumbledore's grave, like, doesn't hit mm-hmm. me in the movie at all. Mm. I don't know. Mm. I feel like it... I feel like it loses a lot of that emotional hit by being the last scene of the movie, and so I always, like, because I know it's the last scene of the movie, I kind of, like, tune out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Also, how do we feel about, like, the ending of part one? Okay, like I said earlier, I feel like part one covers so much more ground than I always think it yeah. does. Um, but I do, I do think it's a really kind of poetic ending to have it end with like Voldemort getting the Elder Wand. Yeah, I think that it is more of a poetic ending if you kind of like have read the book, because I feel like this hunt yeah. for like this wand is kind of played up a little bit more in the book. Um, yeah. 
Because, like, there is a scene where Harry's, like, Voldemort's after the Hallow. Or, like, he knows about the Mm -hmm. Hallows, but he's only after the wand. Um, Mm -hmm. But I know, I feel like it's played up. And so, like, when he gets it, it's like, oh, shit. Like, he has the Elder Wand now. Like, this is bad. I think it clues you in that, like, the next movie's gonna have a lot more action. Yeah. I also think the other, like, ending of the movie is, like, Dobby's death. And I think ending right after Dobby's death as far as like the trio's um plot line I think gives Dobby's death like a lot more weight and like Mm -hmm. that like it could have lost a lot of meaning if you just like went to the next thing right away but like because it ends right after Dobby's death and then like you you open like the opening of the second one has like the grave and stuff I think it's like it, it kind of like acknowledges that a couple times and I like that yeah I do think it is a little weird because I guess like in the story structure of this like the climax of this story is like Dobby's death you mm. know kind of like because the action scene at Malfoy Manor isn't even like that like gripping you know I feel like yeah. the action scene yeah. at God of Hollow was definitely more of like a yeah. climaxy moment you know so I guess like uh-huh. in this story like story arc like his death is kind of the climax especially like it is an emotional climax I think but like Mm -hmm. also story structure wise it kind of is set up to be yeah yeah um but yeah should we talk about final thoughts I have one I have one thing that I we like totally forgot to discuss that I have one um, um the Lupin That's what scene mine was. at Grimald yeah. Place, which like this is in the the like first part of our episode, so people are gonna be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> we but um, about I think it because we were, it. yeah, because we were like changing, or, like yeah. you know, stopping at right around that time. Yeah. But um, that's like maybe one of the biggest scenes that gets left out, which like isn't that important to overall plot, but like I think it's pretty significant to like people in the fandom. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about the Lupin fighting with Harry scene at Grimald Place when you find out that Tonks is pregnant yeah. and um, Lupin yeah. tries so to that's, run away. Yeah, so that gets cut. Um, I think that, like, honestly, overall, I think that, and I don't know if this is just because, like, I read, like, the first hundred pages of the book, but I didn't get through everything, like, immediately before watching the movie. Um... I do think that this generally does, like, a better job of keeping... It does a better job of keeping to the book, I think, than part two. Part two is a mess. Um, And I think it's because, like, this is maybe, like, a slower movie. Mm -hmm. um, And it's definitely, like, a setup movie that, like, they didn't have to cut a lot of the, like slower they do they still do cut a lot of the like slower discussion things like you know there's a lot less talking about Dumbledore um there's a lot less like debate between like Hallows and Horcruxes and that stuff but I do think that they like generally like in the first six movies they have to cut a lot of that like conversational like detail oriented stuff because they have to get to the like action action at the end and because there are like not that many big action scenes like you were just talking about in this book I do think that like they give more weight to those scenes, which is kind of nice. Yeah, as you were saying that, kind of like if Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, like let's say Harry Potter was an eight book series and Deathly Hallows was the book from beginning to the death of Dobby, this might be one of the best adaptations 
of all the movies. Yeah. Um, like saying true, yeah. I don't think it would be one of the best movies because there's a difference, I think, mm-hmm. between the best Harry Potter movie and the best like book to screen straight adaptation. And I feel like this might have been it. You know, barring like maybe one and two when the books were so short, they really could keep a lot of that stuff in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it stays pretty true to the story. And I think Deathly Hallows as a book forces them to keep a lot of the like slower discussion parts in because so much of it is called back and tied up that like they almost are forced to keep it in for this movie that maybe they weren't forced to keep some of this stuff in for previous movies um but yeah I don't know it's definitely not my favorite movie it is kind of more on the like boring angsty side but I stay tuned for next movie breakdown because I feel like I might even like part two less than this one mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do, I, I think I whereas do. I think part two might be like a more exciting movie in general and if I hadn't read the books I might like it more than I mm-hmm. do because I do think objectively this one does get like slow and boring at some points even for somebody who does pick up on all of like the little hints that they're doing in these boring moments um, mm-hmm. yeah I don't know I really I really just love the joke that this movie is like camping because it's really not <laughs> there is like a lot of like we do like the Battle of Seven Potters the wedding a grim old place camping Godric's Hollow Malfoy Banner um, and the ministry so like there are quite a few different locations but this movie is always just like yeah. referred to as like they're camping this is the only movie you don't go to Hogwarts. Mm. Which, like, I think is, like, a... a wow. Um, good, like... I don't know. It, 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 it's interesting. And it, it's an interesting effect of splitting the final book. Yeah. Because the, the second part happens almost entirely at Hogwarts. Yeah. Well, it also happens entirely in places that we've been before, where, like, this almost is the exact opposite. Like, it happens mostly Mm. in places we have not... The trio has not visited before. Because I guess we've been to Malfoy Manor, but the trio hasn't. Well, we haven't been to Malfoy Manor until this movie, though. True, true. And, like, the only place that, like, really we've been to, the borough, and then, like, your briefly in Grimmauld Place. I guess they've been to the Ministry before, too. So I guess it's really just yeah. while they're camping in Malfoy Manor. They're camping. So like the second half. And the Love Goods. Yeah, the Love Goods. And they go to Shell Cottage, like, briefly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Huh. Yeah, I know. I don't really have a lot of, like, poignant thoughts about this movie. Yeah, me either. Other than that, like, I understand the criticism that it is kind of slow and boring. But and it does feel long. Yeah. But almost, like, as a consequence of that, we get a pretty... So this is, this is like almost, part one, part two is almost like this depiction of like the book to movie adaptation argument, right? Like mm, a mm-hmm. straight book to movie adaptation is boring and long and probably not that exciting to watch, but a departure almost like too far from it and playing up to the movie too much is also not good, you know? Yeah. It's almost like yeah. we need to find a medium between part one and part two. And I'm not saying that part one is this like word for word adaptation. I just think that it's one of the best that we see 
in the Harry Potter series. And definitely... Especially out of the later movies. Yeah, and especially in contrast with part two. And also, like, part two isn't like this, they make up whole new storylines, but it's just so far from, like, what the essence, I feel like, of the ending of Deathly Hallows is. Yeah, there are too many meaningful changes. Like, a couple of those changes would have been tolerable, but there's just too many of them. That it de- it totally redefines yeah. the Battle of Hogwarts. And I feel like it's so transparently playing up to this, like, big battle cinematic climax that it, like, puts a bad taste in fans' mouth. You know? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just so transparently like playing up to that and it's kind of gross yeah. to me but anyways we'll talk about that more later it feels weird that we're doing like part one and part two as separate movies yeah but yeah are you concerned about the fact that your favorite harry potter characters go to a magic school that doesn't teach them practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? Did you go to a magic school that didn't teach you practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? If any of the above applies to you, you should check out our podcast. That's Not How Science Works, hosted by myself and my truly awesome co-host, Nicole. In our podcast, Caitlin and I discuss the science in different pieces of media, such as movies or TV shows, and dissect whether it's good, bad, or just plain ridiculous. Often, we also have special guests who help us rant about bad science and their areas of expertise. We release new episodes every other Monday, and you can find us wherever you usually download your podcasts. We like to think of this as a podcast for the science curious. So whether you're a practicing scientist or a wizard who just graduated high school with no practical life skills, we'd love for you to listen in. You can also find out more by going to our website, thatsnotscience.com, or by looking us up on Twitter, at TNHSWpod. We hope you give us a listen. Now back to your regularly scheduled Potterheads, Katie and Audrey. Time for the pop quiz. So as always for our movie episodes, oh my gosh, I haven't even thought about this at all. Wow. Um, What is your favorite scene? All right. So from the Facebook group, Micah posted just like the gif of George (laughs) taking the sip of coffee and um, saying morning. Linda said when Ron comes back and saves Harry when he is trying to get the sword and Ron's subsequent sucking up to Hermione. It's pretty funny. Leia says, not my favorite, but the Harry and Hermione make-out locket scene always made me extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> maybe we should And like I said, same. Maybe we should have changed this question to what is your least favorite scene? <laughs> yeah, what is your most uncomfortable scene? Um... Anne said, I like the seven Harry's scene, especially when Hermione comments on Harry's eyesight. Mm, that is cute. And then Morgan said, it's a tie between the scene at Grimmauld Place, um, like when Dobby and Creature are wrestling with Mundungus, and the scene at the Ministry when Harry saves Mary and tells Umbridge one mustn't tell lies, and then stupefies that bee, and then Mary kisses Ron. <laughs> I hate that Mary kisses Ron. <laughs> But the rest of that scene is pretty yeah. good. Okay, mine, like, is anyone surprised? It's the dancing scene. Okay. <laughs> but also, well, actually, I'm not going to say my second favorite because I think it might be your favorite. I think I know what you're thinking. Um, but mine's, mine's the dancing scene. So I think the first thing that comes to mind is definitely the three brothers scene. But I feel like... That was my second favorite. I feel like that's such a cop-out answer, though, because it's not, like, really a scene from a scene, the movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, it's not like an in-world thing that happens. Oh, my actual second favorite is the beginning of Godric's Hollow. Mm. I talked about that. I talked about both of mine, so I'm not like giving my reasons. But I do. I think one of my favorite parts of the book is their time that they spend at Grimwald Place. Um, mm. Just because I think it's like so cute. Like they basically kind of make a life for themselves for a little bit there, mm-hmm. and I think it's really adorable. So I do think I really do have a partial, like I am partial to the scenes that happen at Grimold Place. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, like kind of that first scene where like Harry's in Sirius's bedroom and like Ron and Hermione are playing the piano and they talk about R.A.B. I just think it's cute. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like that's. I think it's. I think it's the third. Yeah. Brothers. You have a print of it. I do. I have a really. I actually am looking for that right now. I don't know where my parents would put that because I think I might bring it with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's just such a beautiful scene. And I know we kind of talked about it, but just to add, we I love the like movements, like the way the animation moves in that scene, like especially mm-hmm. so when like the love, like the woman comes back from the dead, she kind of is like dancing and as she mm-hmm. turns, she like cripples over. And I just like yeah. love that movement. Um, Oh man, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. All right. Um. So, you guys got your special like double, double up for this episode. Um. But our next episode will be coming out two weeks from date of release for this episode on Tuesday. And make sure you go and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcast. Yeah, you can also find us on social media. We are Wizard Size Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And we're Wizard Size on Twitter, even though we're not really that active on Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> also, in case anybody's just, like, interested, we already have our Discord server made. So that's just kind of, like, up and running. Um, the link that I posted in the Facebook group is going to be active from seven days from when, okay, so it's not active any longer. So maybe I'll post another link or post like a, you can get like a permanent link. Um, and like, just, just feel free to like, I don't know, it's up and running. So you can just like post stuff in it. I have no idea how often I'm going to be checking that, um, (laughs) but I don't know, like, feel free. I think you can start, like, rooms. I don't know if I'm the one who has to do that or not. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Like, we can maybe post, like, pop quizzes in there, too. Like, it's just kind of a thing that we have now. So feel free to use it and join Mm -hmm. it if you feel so inclined. Um, But you can also email us at at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Patreon if you want to support us that way. We would greatly appreciate it. We love and are so thankful for all of our patrons it really means the world to us that people would enjoy listening to our voices that much um yeah you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash wizard studies podcast also i don't this is at the end so i don't know how many people are still listening but in case you're curious i have recently at the time of listening to this moved closer to Audrey so maybe we'll get some more content with us in the same location (laughs) so be on the lookout for that we'll see how it goes yeah 
All right. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot.